Alright, three, two, one. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the Nerd Stuff with Ian 2.0 podcast. And as always, I'm your host, Ian. And today's episode, I want to do my follow-up to when I talked about, you know, the Hulk overview. I wanted to, like I said, I want to talk about different runs that I feel like were very important to the Hulk character. And of course, the one that started it all. That, I mean, you can, I mean, Jack Kirby and Stan, or Stanley and Jack Kirby did start it all. But the one that really took the Hulk from being a, you know, rage and from just being kind of the Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, to being something that was completely different, was Peter David's run. And if I recall, the issue numbers were from, I gotta think about it, I think it's, Issue 328 to issue 467. It was about a 12-year run on The Incredible Hulk. And even then, he still wrote stories here and there. And he's written multiple stories about the Hulk. And in particular, he's, as everyone says, he's probably the foremost Hulk writer. If anything else, his influence on the Hulk has been felt ever since he touched it. No one's been able to really... In a lot of ways, come close. Some people can argue, well, Greg Pak had a great run, which he did. Jeff Loeb had a great run, which he did. You know, Jason Aaron had a small run, but a run enough that, you know, you can talk about it. You had Mark Wade. You had now Al Ewing. You've had different runs on the character. But at the end of the day, you know, they... They all, in all intents and purposes, took inspiration from what Peter David did. And like I previously talked about, you know, Peter David brought in more of the, you know, Hulk is really the Hulk because of abuse. He was an abused child by his dad. And the Hulk came from that, which is more of a psychological part of it, which, in a lot of sense of the word... Is a, in a lot of sense, a multiple personality thing, which brought it up as a start to it. You know, he goes through and really and truly, he lays the groundwork for a lot of that. You know, for multiple personalities, returning the Hulk from being the Green Hulk, which everyone knows and loves, to being the original Gray Hulk, well, he was. Like when I talk about my in the Hulk overview that Virginia is being printed, he came out gray because the color green they wanted to do could not be cannot be done yet. And it just didn't do well in the paper they had. It wasn't until later they were finally able to change them over to green. But it did take a bit. But with Peter's David's run, like I talked about, you know, it brought up those different issues. Stuff that a lot of people didn't really think about with the character. And he was groundbreaking with it. I mean... Who would have ever thought in a million years to equate the Hulk's rage to f- to being a victim of abuse? You know, it totally changes the character on its head. It got, you know, kids, no matter what the age, kids and adults who read the story are like, this is great. You know, this, I, people could understand that, you know, 
they could see that within the character. They could, you know, even if they weren't abused, they could see it and they understood because the writing was so well done for it that it set that up. And expanded upon the two characters. And even then, like I said, expanded upon the multiple personalities. Laid the groundwork for it. With the return of the Grey Hulk, Mr. and later called him Mr. Fix-It, who was a more or less a Las Vegas enforcer. You know, who was, you know, not as strong, but he was smarter than the Hulk. But he did, in a lot of ways, he took advantage of the Grey Hulk. He, he redefined him. And now you have, you know, a character of Joe Fix-It, and you've had, especially if you're reading Al Ewing's run, you've seen him. You've heard him, you didn't physically see him as the Grey Hulk, which I guess technically you have in certain images. But at the end of the day, you saw the personality of Joe Fix-It come through in Bruce, with Bruce Banner in Al Ewing's, Al Ewing's Immortal Hulk. You know, particularly when they're trying to remember the scene, I think it's with... Uh, I think it's within the most recent volume. I think technically, I think it'd be volume four or five, which puts it around. I'm trying to remember the issue that was, but essentially, you know, he's trying just to really and truly hide out from, out from I guess the. If I recall, it's the abomination, the new abomination they came up with, because he's on the run from. The Gamma base that's after him. From Alpha Flight. It, it's. It, I'm trying to remember the entirety of the run. But I'm going to get back. To, I'll get back to it. But you know, you got to see Joe fix it. Within that moment. Now with that. Like I said. Joe fix it was another personality of Bruce Banner. Joe fix it was. In all intents and purposes. An enforcer. He wasn't opposed to money. He was smarter than the whole key. Did the, he was a guy that wasn't afraid to rough you up. Again, mobster. And it really allowed for another side of Bruce Banner to really be shown. Another personality, a, one that is, you know, who is rude and crude and has evil traits in him. Compared to the Green Hulk, which he can be evil in certain instances depending upon the enemy he's facing. But overall, he's a child. And Peter David explored all of that. You know, we had multiple different artists. The one that I liked the most is when he worked with Todd McFarlane. Now, I know you can pick up the Marvel Visionaries, the Hulk, and all that stuff. I think, I can't remember how many volumes I think they've released up to now. I think it's eight. Something like that. But, you know, like I spoke about earlier, all that groundwork he laid with multiple personalities and everything like that. And he just, I mean, he just knocked out the park. Like I said, there's a reason why everyone feels it to this day. Why Peter Davis' run is so spectacular. Now, instead of kind of just repeating the same stuff over and over, I mean, I'll go over particular, probably the one arc that I feel like got ever, that really passed the revelation of the abuse past the bringing back of jo of the Grey Hulk and making him Joe Fix-It. You've got to see in a story called Future Imperfect, where the Hulk was brought forward in time to fight his future self in a, I guess, post-apocalyptic America, I guess best way to put it that way, 
where nukes had gone off and the nuke that hit the Hulk made him go crazier. You know, this Hulk calls himself the Maestro. You know, he's not the same Hulk you see in comic. At this point, he is also Smart Hulk, if I recall. I believe it is Smart Hulk where he is the combination of Bruce Banner and and the Hulk where they've come together. And Maestro is essentially the equivalent of that, but crazier. Like, he's essentially just a giant monarch. And he just does, and, a lot, and he just becomes a tyrant towards these future people. And of course, like anything else, they come, they go back in time, bring him for, bring forward Smart Hulk to try and face off against their Hulk, Maestro. And, I mean, he does everything, he, the young Hulk tries everything he can, but ends up getting his neck snapped by Maestro. And then, when the Hulk's trying to get himself back together, because... Again, it's established, you know, Hulk can recover from injuries. It's just going to take him time. You know, Maestro wore him down. He did, I guess, the best way possible, which is crazy enough when you think about it, is, I mean, he, he took away all that aggression from the Hulk. He, you know, he was having women, best way to put it, they were sleeping with him. And they depowered him. They took advantage of him, and they wore him out. You know, they took out all... There wasn't anything he could do about it. And Meister was smart with it. And the Hulk tried to... The smart Hulk tried to stop him, but Meister was just a vindictive monarch. And he took full advantage of that. And, you know, with everything else... You know, you could tell just how he wrote Meister. Meister was truly the psychotic, true Dr. Jekyll... That lies within Bruce Banner. And it was a personality that got shown. And you can look at it as, oh, well, that Meister was an alternate version of the Hulk. Now, without Ewing's run, he went further upon it. And Meister really might be another, in a lot of ways you can argue, another personality of the Hulk. Just, the Hulk hasn't gone crazy enough with it. Now, you can also go into the whole idea of, oh, well, the Hulk and Bruce Banner, you know, they finally came together. Which, that was another, you know, part of the story that Peter David wrote. With having them, the Hulk and Bruce Banner, like always, they come in conflict with one another. Because they both have to coexist with one body. And one hates the other. One's always trying to get rid of the other one. And with Future Imperfect, that was, you know, even though you had Smart Hulk... You had, like I said, Maestro being the guy who was, he has knowledge. He knows how to beat himself. And he, he played the game. He ended up losing to the to the young Hulk. As they, they, that was kind of how the story was supposed to go. But, you know, he really did everything he could to really just get the young, get the younger version of himself or this alternate younger version of himself to be on his side and I mean he got pretty close at least in my opinion when you read it you know it's crazy enough when you think about it just how much really and truly you know craziness could happen just trying to remember if there's a 
just trying to make sure I don't forget anything. Because that's all is especially talking about Peter David's run on The Incredible Hulk. And it's just a lot. Uh, mm -mm. Mm -mm. Just making sure I didn't forget anything. Yeah, that was what I figured. That's I had to make sure I didn't skip anything. Now, he is defeated by his younger self. Now, it doesn't mean that was the end of that Hulk. Of Maestro. In that timeline. Now, he does have other stories. Peter David did continue it with, if I recall, I think, Spider-Man 2099 and other stories. And Maestro's come back here and there. And, sir, and other stories. I can never fully remember it, but... Future Imperfect really was an encapsulation of what Peter David truly was doing with the his Incredible Hulk run. And just how, you know, dark though he could make a Hulk who was, who was completely psychotic go. He's already shown it. Why not? You know, he showed, like I said, Joe Fix-It, Gregor Green Hulk, now Smart Hulk. He's shown all that. What happens when you take away all of the people that the Hulk truly love, like Betty, like Betty Ross, and then you have some of his greatest friends, like Rick Jones, becoming his enemies. And you give him, hit him with a nuke, and you make him in a post-apocalyptic world, he goes crazy. He never wants to be... Bruce Banner, because at that point he's like, well, I'm already maestro, I'm just this psycho. And it worked. In a lot of ways. And it, I mean, it got readers. And in my opinion, you know, it truly, really did redefine the Hulk. At the end of the day. With every sense of the word. With what Peter David's run did. You know, he truly did, as I say... Change it forever. He changed the Hulk forever. And to think about what he did for the character from, you know, even going as far as he did a story, if I recall, I think it's, I think it's Incredible Hulk the end, if I recall. Uh, let me bring it up. Because this story, I think, was written in 2004. The, yes. Yeah. It was a one-shot that was written. No, it was written in 2002. And this is more or less like his kind of crescendo. Now, he does come back from time to time to do more writing on it. But this was kind of his idea. And... As this is kind of like where I'm going to wrap all this stuff up. Because, you know, me talking about his run doesn't do it justice. You reading his run, reading Future Imperfect, reading Hulk the End, reading, you know, some of his better stories. And I do encourage reading Future Imperfect, or even if not, just reading some of the Visionaries that Marvel's released with the Incredible Visionaries by Peter David. Look them up. Buy a couple of them. Read them. 
you know, he truly, everything you'll see in it, truly affects every bit of the Hulk in the future. For all future runs, because of what he did. Now let me, uh, I'll finish it off with this. Hulk the End takes place in a very, very, very future timeline. Where all the Hulk's friends, all the heroes, everything like that, they're gone. It's more or less like the end of the world. And the Hulk is the only one left. There's nobody else. There's nothing. And, you know, it comes after a nuclear holocaust, which Bruce Banner's the only one. And he's, he's the only lone human. It's Bruce Banner and these bugs that just go around just destroying or just destroy everything. And he's being followed by a vidbot, which is, if I recall, it's with Alien. Yeah, I think it's, uh... Yeah, I think... Yeah, he's being watched by these... As aliens from outer space, so he's being watched. So he goes through it. And when he's the Hulk, he bows all these creatures, these bugs, and they swarm him, and they just... They tear him apart. They tear off his flesh. I mean, they do everything they can. To try and kill him, but they can't. And the Hulk constantly goes back with that battle every single day. But with the Hulk, it's a never-ending battle because he's as stubborn as anything. For the Hulk, he... He'll keep battling that uphill battle because he sees only rage. And rage forces him to keep going through the same thing. Over and over. And he ends up losing every time he battles those creatures. But Hulk keeps coming back to battle him. And that's the Hulk side of it. Meanwhile, Bruce Banner just wants to die. He's tried to kill himself so many times. But every time he tries. You know, the Hulk stops him. Because the Hulk looks at him as, at the end of the day. That's his weakness. You know, Bruce Banner... Can die. The Hulk can't. You know. And that's the truth. The Hulk really is the only reason why. With his healing factor and everything like that. You know. He keeps Bruce Banner alive. He keeps himself alive out of. Survival and being afraid to die. And. Ultimately. That's really what keeps him going. And if you look at dissecting just those things right there, you have Bruce Banner even you know, being the last man on Earth. He's dealing with the fact that the Hulk, the one thing he never could beat, won't let him die because the Hulk needs him to survive. The Hulk acknowledges Bruce Banner is a part of him, even though he's a, in a lot of ways has a child brain, but he needs the Hulk. But he needs Bruce Banner to stay alive, so the Hulk can continue living. Even if the Hulk's in this wasteland where he's getting mauled and murdered, and has to rebring himself back together, he constantly deals with it, and he makes sure Bruce Banner can't kill him, even if Bruce wants to, as bad as he wants to. He's forever stuck with this, with the Hulk, and there's no way for him to end it. You know, he's doing everything he can. And he's just, I guess, well, technically the bugs actually are cock giant cockroaches, but it don't really matter. 
But essentially, he just... It just keeps irritating him. And the whole keeps keeping him and Bruce Banner alive. And like I said, there's a video about a vidbot. And that was also following them during this. And Bruce Banner kind of rewatches the vidbot and kind of... It has to just acknowledge that he's by himself. There's nothing left. And like I said, it just puts him in internal sorrow and depression. Because there's nothing else he can truly do. And it's just... To be honest, it craziness about it is, like I said, Bruce wants to die, Hulk wants to live. And as much as Bruce really wants to go, the Hulk won't let him. And within the story, Bruce Banner does end up having a heart attack. And... He looks at himself as, as, you can look at it as the Titan Prometheus, or Prome yeah, Prometheus, pretty much condemned to stay alive forever while animals devour him, which essentially, if you look at that, it matches up perfectly with it, but the story fits so well with the character. And... In the end, Banner finally dies. You know, he finally passes. But the one that doesn't pass is the Hulk. The Bruce Banner side of the Hulk dies. But the Hulk is forever now. Before it was him and Bruce. He had someone to protect. Now Hulk is all alone. And when you think about that, that's just truly sad. You know, the story was never meant to be one where Bruce is supposed to have the happy ending. Because at the end of the day, with the Hulk, you want him to get happiness. You want him to finally find the cure that fixes them both. That makes the Hulk happy and him happy. And they've done it. They've done stories with it. But at the end of the day... The biggest issue that Bruce Banner has, and something that's established in almost every, you can say in almost any of the runs that were written, but particularly with, you know, Peter David's run, the Hulk and Bruce Banner, they need each other. And that's a consistent, you know, story. They always need each other. And no matter how hard they try to separate, they can never truly be alone. They can never truly leave one another. Because as much as one another hates the other, they're two sides of the same coin. And when you think about that, that truly sets in the character and just shows the development. Like I said, Peter David's run encapsulated the truest understanding of the character... And expanded him out so much that he gave so so much amount for the next writer. He opened new stories. He opened new everything. And that's why you've seen different things. Now, it is also difficult to top that at the same time. He gives writers more stuff to open up with. 
it also decreases where a rider can take a character. You know, the best equivalent I can think of for anybody who's, re who's recently reading comics now is Dan Slott's run on Spider-Man to Nick Spencer's. Dan Slott wrote Spider-Man for 10 years. He took Peter Parker to the highest of highs, to the lowest of lows, to him resetting everything, pretty much. And it's like anything. You know, you set up so much in order for stories to be told and that, in a lot of ways, people can argue that Dan Slott's Ron Spider-Man is their favorite. That's their Spider-Man. But to get back to Peter David's run, he had such an effect on it that there's no way you can't give him props that he changed the entirety of what the character can and should be treated as. How you can write the character. The character's always been sympathetic, but the character was allowed to truly be something that anybody can understand. He's not about just smashing stuff. He's not about destroying stuff. At the end of the day, the Hulk, in all intents and purposes, is the victim of abuse from a person who has severe multiple personality disorder, who truly is his own worst enemy. And he constantly bows himself. And when you look at it like that, and dissect the character of the Hulk like that, that's where you truly can see the level of writing and the level of complexity within a character that children can love because they love seeing stuff being destroyed. Everyone loves hearing Hulk smash. To the adult readers who read it and go, man, that's, that's just dark. He truly has nothing left. And there's no true cure for him. That's what Peter David did. He took the themes that were already established with Jack Kirby and Stan Lee, but he raised the stakes and rechanged the game. He took it from being a game of chess to being a game of checkers on level of a thousand facing everything else. And in my opinion, his run will stand the test of time. Now, with that being said, he is in a lot of ways the peak. But there's been other super great, there's been other great writers that have stepped up to truly try, and in a lot of ways succeeded to truly expand the Hulk mythos. And. The next one that's going to be up is going to be Greg Pak's run. I'll kind of skip around just because there's a couple small runs in there, but Greg Pak's run is the next one I'm going to talk about. I figured this way you guys kind of get more of where the modern Hulk went and where it's kind of going, everything like that. And it's <laughs> craziness to have to... <laughs> craziness with this character, man. It's... It's always fun talking about the Hulk, man. It's particularly Peter David's run. Like I'm rereading it, and I'm really, I, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. 
I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed rooting Future Imperfect. I mean, it reminded me of just everything that I always appreciate about the character of the Hulk and just how dark you can truly make him. Now, there are guys who've made a darker, extremely dark versions of him, which I will talk about, like I said, I'll talk about Ultimate Hulk and I'll talk about Old Man Logan Hulk in a Another one. I might I might put them in between the Greg Pack and Peter David one. So I might make that the next one, the different iterations of him. Just to kind of give you guys a break of oh well this is instead of like being a straight continuity. Give you guys a small break, or if not, I might set that up between Greg Pack and Jeff Loeb's run, something like that. But uh yeah. With that being said, I think I'm gonna close this out. I figured this will kind of give you guys a chance to really, you know, get excited about the run, want to get back in it, or even get either for people who have been older fans to get back in it, and for people who are looking to try and figure out where they should start, honestly, start there. It truly does change the game, man. It truly does bring, like I said, a true complexity to a character that in a lot of ways... When you look at the cartoons, when you look at just the character, when you see a five-year-old being the Hulk, you really start to think how much deeper the character truly is. So with that being said, I'm going to close this one out, and you guys have a great night. Later.